Final Cricket Podcast, Adam Collins, Brat Sunder Racing. We're here at a rainy Old Trafford. That's a line we've heard many times <laughs> over the years. We're here for Westfield London, Westfield Stratford City. More extra, less ordinary. We've had um, the week and a half of hype uh, waiting for this fourth test match. Perfectly set up with Australia 2-1 ahead after England uh, romped home. I say romped home. They, they won by three yeah. wickets, but it felt like an important um, momentum-shifting victory uh, a week and a half ago up at Headingley. Another famous Ashes venue here. Um, Baz, you've been in the nets. Uh, what have you learnt this afternoon? It feels like we're getting closer to knowing that Aussie eleven. Yeah, I mean, uh, it pretty came, became pretty obvious that uh, Cam Green is playing. Uh, Steve Smith and Manus Labuschagne, obviously, were already out there. Uh, uh, as soon as, uh, you know, you'd learned that the rain was not going to relent and the outdoor nets were out of use, you knew the indoor nets was where he had to go. And uh, as I walked out of the lift, so did Steve Smith. And so we walked into the nets together pretty much. Uh, so he started off and then Manus came in there. Manus actually copped up blow to the head but he's fine uh, he, I think his helmet was worse for wear okay. and the helmet went away and the how, new did that, how did he cop the whack was it through the um, wanger Oh, through the wanger, his yep. new one-on-one batting coach Andy Flower, uh, who's now I'm an integral part of this uh, support stuff. He was a consultant, you'll remember, for the WTC final yep. at the Oval, then came back in Headingley, uh, and now he started giving throwdowns as well. Which, if you're part of the Australian support stuff, at some point you have to start giving throwdowns, <laughs> right? If Manus especially to Manus, yeah. especially to Manus. Uh, no, but they were working on um, uh, some technical aspects of his batting one-on-one. So it, it was pretty early on in his batting stint today. Uh, got hit, and uh, like I said, he tried fixing the helmet. Was no good and then the new helmet came out uh, maybe there was a little bit of a concussion test because there's a doctor who brought the helmet out but what we do know is he's fine and he spent a lot of time batting after that like he always does uh, David Warner had a long hit uh, uh, and he was smashing it I just have a feeling he's going to come out playing really aggressively and I'm going to predict a big score for him here did you see the Instagram post from David Warner yesterday I mean it was kind of hinting towards people um, uh, about you have to sort of I'm, I'm paraphrasing it. Yeah. Rationalise the amount of people you're paying attention to and oh. focus on those who love you most. And As I, if to say, you know, if the Aussie public are writing him off, he'll, he'll turn inward and find inspiration that way. I've been a little surprised with the the criticism that's come his way. He's played two very big hands in Australia, getting that 2-0 lead. Uh, the 60 he made at Lords in yep. uh, difficult conditions uh, and his contributions uh, at Edge Baston as well. In the run chase, yes. I mean, Usman Khawaja is the one who batted for a long time. But Warner's innings was crucial in the bigger picture. Uh, mm. And he batted well at the Oval as well. So, you know, just because he got out to Stuart Broad again, people wrote him off. Other was a little un- uncalled for. And Maybe it's to do with the fact that we've had such a long break. You know, it yeah. you, had it been a turnaround of three days like it was between Lords and Leeds, there wouldn't have been time for the fervent speculation. But the added complication being that there is seven trying to fit into six or maybe that is- eight trying to fit into seven, depending on how you interpret it. But um, and, and in keeping with, with that point, the very fact that Cameron Green looks like he's going to force his way in at the expense of a bowler, which yeah. wasn't what we would have been talking about uh, when we left Leeds. Yeah, which is what I was coming to. Yeah, Cam Green was the third guy to walk into the net, and which pre- made it pretty obvious that he's playing. Pat yeah. Cummins didn't mention it in the press conference, but he hinted at it. He spoke about how they're going to stick to the same top five, and he did say that it would come down to uh, Murphy or Cam Green. And, and from what I watched yesterday as well, just the fact that Travis Head and Manus Labushin, as soon as they finished batting, they were into the net bowling, and Head was bowling his off breaks to right. not the bowlers, like we've seen happen quite often, right? At the end of a session, he just uh, rolls his arm over. This was He was bowling to the likes of 
Warner and Mitchell Marsh. So, which was a sign. And then Manas was bowling his leg spin. And I asked Pat Cummins about it, and he said uh, he prefers him bowling his leg spin rather than the off spin or the wonderful medium pace that he really backs himself to bowl. Uh, that was a giveaway for me. And also the way Murphy bowled yesterday. He bowled very early on in the session, and he was bowling only to Manas Labuschagne, and it uh, it felt like it was even at that point more about what Manas wanted him to bowl rather than what Murphy was doing. That was another telltale sign. And Cam Green just batted like someone who's preparing for a test match, not like someone who's just feeling his way back from an injury break. Uh, right. So uh, even before we got to the indoor nets today, in the outdoor nets, I, I was pretty convinced that it, it, it was Cam Green playing, uh, which is a big call to make. But it you know, in a way, in a series like this, it makes sense because if Nathan Lyon was here, there's no question, right? You don't even talk about leaving out a spinner. And this has nothing, I think, to do with how good Todd Murphy is or he, is, or he isn't, or even Pat Cummins' confidence in him. Because these innings don't last for more than 60 overs, like we saw in Headingley, uh, Pat Cummins just feels he's more comfortable with an all-seam attack where, uh, rather than have to worry about where he can fit Todd Murphy in. And Cam Green and Mitchell Marsh provide two very different options for him. One tall seamer can hit the pitch, can swing the ball around. Mitchell Marsh, we saw what he could do last uh, week. He swings the ball if there's any conditions in his favour. So it makes sense to me. It still feels like a well-rounded attack despite there being no spinner. And uh, it doesn't mean that there's no spinner. Travis Head bowled pretty yeah. well when he got the chance in Lords, didn't he? Well, he was used as the... And when he first came into the one-day team. He was uh, the primary part-timer. He overtook Glenn Maxwell. It's a long time ago now, but there's yeah. a lot of faith shown in him by Steve Smith when he was mm. leading the one-day team around 16, 17 or, or thereabouts. And you mentioned Manus Labuschagne in passing there. Let's not forget the decisive wicket he took here at Old Trafford four Indeed. years ago to get Jack Leach, who was uh, proving an impediment as he as he did at Leeds. So Labuschagne will back himself. Typically, you play a spinner here at Old Trafford due to the, yeah. the vast expanses. It is a bigger ground by English standards, and but it hasn't been as good for spin as it reputationally was before the um, the pitch getting spun around in in 2009 to 2011 when it did a renovations here it used to be the Stretford end but mm. that's now gone and, and that means that um, you do enjoy uh, historically in the last decade um, more wickets through seam and um, one of the seamers that's going to get a chance here for England is going to be uh, the hometown boy not quite hometown he's from Burnley but the Lancashire yeah. lad um, James Anderson probably hasn't been called a lad in a while 40 years of age turns yeah. 41 at the end of the month the end of the series but um, bowling from that James Anderson end he's never taken a five wicket bag at Manchester would you believe however he takes his test wickets here at 22 which is a reminder of the, the ongoing threat that he presents alongside Stuart Broad he's picked up a couple of sixfers here and um, he feels like the guy who's undroppable in the England bowling lineup right now although he has bowled 159 overs so far this summer Broad so it might be that if we didn't have a, a structured break with yeah. nine or ten days off that he might have missed the fourth test on the bounce but um, we saw how effective Broad was to Warner here the last time around we saw how effective Steve Smith was in, in swirling mm. conditions here four years ago too. Yeah, and Stuart Broad has been a sensation throughout the series. Uh, the fact that he's upskilled, like Damon Fleming spoke a lot about his bowling uh, uh, on, on, on ACN with us. Uh, and, you know, just uh, skills he seems to have uh, uh, not just like brought into his you know, he always had the outswinger but uh, he talked it up uh, beautifully in the lead up to the ashes and he's become as dangerous a bowler to right handers as he always has been to the left handers and not just David Warner a lot of left handers around the world yeah. uh, and he just seems to have found that extra spring in his stride uh, we saw the impact that 
you could have on Stuart Broad if he's left out of the first test. We saw it in yeah. the last uh, Ashes in Australia. I'm not saying he could have had the same impact, but it, 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 he was, you could see a little extra desperation in him, almost like he was trying to prove a point every time he had a ball in his hand. Here, being picked for the first test, I think, just calm, calm, calm Stuart Broad down, if that is even possible. Uh, and uh, he's looked a threat pretty much every time he's running with the ball in hand. And he's made some very important breakthroughs, and he's set... Uh, moments up for England. They haven't always seized it, uh, but he did that uh, last week again in Headingley. And like Usman Khawaja said while speaking to the Australian media a couple of days ago, Adam, that uh, even though Jimmy Anderson is, is, is the legend, it's Brody that they kind of fear because he just has those spells where he changes the game and he's done it so many times in the Ashes before. Yeah, and look, it feels like this time around compared to Australia in 21-22, they've, they've got their selections almost always right, or at least close to right. You yeah. can see where they're getting at, which makes the Moen Ali call at number three all the more fascinating. I mean, if that comes off, Moen said at this press conference, I think it was yesterday, that yeah. if he comes off one time out of four, it justifies the selection. And look, maybe he's right, but it does provide them that extra length in the batting lineup. It does give them the flexibility of Wokes batting at eight, and indeed Mark Wood batting at nine. Mm. We saw what a game changer he was swinging from the hip last week. Harry Brook at five where he wants to be. His best test innings yet at Leeds, match winning there. Bairstow shuffles back to seven after being carded at five in the third test match. So across the board, because Moeen goes up to where he was in the mm. chase at Leeds, they do look better across the board, even if um, it feels like Moeen on paper is too high. And you don't lose the configuration that you're most comfortable with. Uh, that's uh, exactly why they had Moen Ali at number three. And it worked out. They like having Besto at seven. They like, and Brooke likes being at number five. Yeah. Uh, and after the way Brooke batted in the last week, you, you now, now know. And the way out of place he looked at number three in the first innings. Uh, you know you don't want to move Brooke anywhere. You just keep him at five. Uh, and, and that's the beauty of having someone like Moen Ali, right? Um, yes, I mean, he's a, he's a team player. He always puts his hand up. But also, very few cricketers in the history of the game have the kind of experience he has batting up and down the order. Yeah. And not just at different stages of his career. It's not that he was an opener and a top order batter at the start and then uh, lost his way or the other way around. Throughout his career, he's been pushed up and down the order. So, he's used to facing the new ball. He's used to facing the second new ball. He knows they'll go short at him. And in a, in a strange way, because he's number three, you'd expect Australia to not go short at him. Because, mm. uh, you know, uh, England do get opening partnerships out of uh, Duckett and Crawley, but not very often. So, Moeen Ali's going to walk out facing the new ball. Which, and you know when the ball's in his half, he, he's a very dangerous player. He can take the game away from you. Uh, yeah, he's got some beautiful shots through the offside. Uh, and that could work in his favour. Rather than him batting at number seven or eight, when you know he's going to be bumped out. You've seen a bit of the pitch the last two days, although it's been under covers all day today. It's been a sodden day here in Manchester, yeah. all the training indoors. But from the pictures we saw yesterday, it felt like they could have played on it two days out, kind of similar to Birmingham at the start of the series. So I doubt it'll have, just on face value, quite as much life as Leeds did, although it's always um, mm. reckless to judge a pitch from photos two yeah. days out, as we're always saying um, on, on social media. But yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a grand old ground here, Manchester. I, I've made the case with Jeff before in one of our live shows a few years ago that this is the best Ashes ground. There's been so many great yeah, Ashes true. moments here going all the way back to the late 19th century through to the thriller here in 1902 Frank Laver in 1909 um, through to Jim Lakers 19 for 90 Richie Benno around the wicket in 1961 Botham here in 1981 you want to jump fast forward to 2019 where Australia were able to retain the urn having beaten having been beaten um, at Leeds but it all means that 
Um, England have only won here against Australia in, in 81, not since, but uh, they have won 11 of their last 13 test matches here. The only one they've dropped since the 2005 Ashes draw mm. was against Australia four years ago. So they enjoy playing up north. Uh, they do. Uh, ben Stokes was asked about the 42-year drought between uh, England last winning an Ashes test, and he said, I'm just 32 years old. So, uh, you know, <laughs> uh, I don't think they're reading uh, too much into it. You can't. Like, there no. were different teams that during that period. It's not the same team. Uh, but you mentioned Jim Laker, and I have to say this, uh, after the Leeds test, I was really excited about going and seeing Jim, Jim Laker close, which was very close to where I was staying in, uh, in, in uh, Shipley. And it turns out it's just a bunch of apartments. Oh, really? So, yeah, I was a little disappointed, but it kind of made sense. You spoke about the 19 wickets he took here against Australia, and you look at his celebration after each wicket. What did he do? He just stuck his shirt under his, inside his pant. Like, there was not even, like, a yeah. little applause for himself. Uh, so, it, that's Jim Laker close is pretty much Jim Laker. Uh, in, in, in a nutshell, I thought, a bunch of very modest-looking apartments. I don't know how much they cost, but, uh, uh, yeah, I mean, it's, it's been a ground with uh, uh, so much history, so much Ashes history, and uh, Pat Cummins said that he, he doesn't have a great memory of like remembering test matches as a whole, but he does remember the moment where they all stood out there looking at... Oh, there was a big screen there. Yeah, it is still there. there. There's, there's, there's now, they're now building an extra hotel on that side ah, of the there you go, yeah. Of course, yeah. It's a, it's a, it's a stadium which is always seems to be in construction. Yeah. That uh, uh, that stand that they have, makeshift stand, it looks... The temporary permanent temporary uh, stand. It, it, it is one of the scariest structures you'll ever see in cricket. It, uh, it's got 7,000 people in there. It takes oh. the capacity from um, 19,000 to 26,000 and it is always up during cricket season. Oh, yeah. Has all the big concert here and so on. And Ben Stokes enjoys it here. I should say that yeah. um, he made a century here in 2020 in one of the behind-closed-doors test matches mm. against the Windies. He made a match-winning 100 with Ben Folks actually here against South Africa last year when England were in a smidgen of trouble with the bat uh, on day two and day three. So he's got form on this ground. So it's all it's all perfectly positioned as we make our way towards day one tomorrow. Before we go, the final word Hall of Fame. Final word, Hall of Fame for Westfield, London, Westfield, Stratford City. Uh, Baz, the one thing we missed when talking about team changes was the unlikely bulky hero from the 2008 <laughs> Grand Final. He's had the best five minutes of his footy life, and that includes the A4 Grand Final, Stuart Dew, um, who was the match winner for Hawthorne in the third term of that famous Grand Final. He's with the Australian squad. What doing? I've just got here. Well, what's Stuart Dew doing here? He was coaching two weeks ago. I'm pretty sure he just walked past he this, did. didn't he? Yeah, he did. He did. Uh, and Franklin to Dew. He might kick this, and he has. Sorry, keep going? No, yeah, no, that's yeah. Not, <laughs> no, no, it's part of my footy education. Uh, yeah. So I've watched a lot of Stuart Dew on, on, on TV as the Gold Coast Suns coach, if I can talk about it. Uh, but what a, what a change uh, in atmosphere and environment for him. He was an AFL coach till last week, and then, you know, uh, it happens. Uh, he's, he's let go off, and here he is in, in Australian training. What I learned was he was just on holiday, and he wanted, uh, it was on his bucket list to be at Two Ashes venues. Uh, he's friends with a lot of South Australians, as you know. He's yep. a mighty South Aussie. Uh, so maybe it happened through Travis Head but it was told hey if you're around just come and join us and we had Joel Selwood doing a similar thing before the was that Lord's uh, Test or uh, I think before Lord's we had Oscar Piastri didn't right. we like, oh, yeah. Yeah, that's right yeah, yeah then, but Joel Selwood was around like yeah, maybe yeah. before Leeds or before Lord's yeah. I think both of the you're right he was around with Piastri or maybe the day before him. But uh, uh, yesterday I saw um, Stuart Dew just kind of getting a feel of things. You could see a lot of the free fans in the Australian team were kind of tending towards him, <laughs> having a little chat with him. Uh, I posted a picture of uh, or a video of Steve Smith and Manus having uh, their cricketing romance in the middle. But what a lot of people were focusing on was what was happening in the background, which is Stuart Dew holding court. And uh, yesterday I thought uh, he wasn't so... 
so involved he was like bouncing a balancing a ball on his bat and later in the day he went and checked the pitch out with tony dorimate really? uh, yeah the chief selector was one of the one of the selection selectors with the australian team but today i saw just before or while pat cummins was walking out to have a hit in the nets travis head was there as well and there was a proper conversation or it was more to a dude speaking to pat cummins maybe it's one of those leadership exchange programs right like from footy to cricket but but what a beautiful crossover and another crossover hall of fame mention uh, and i never heard it before two days ago uh, andrew mcdonald uh, wanging balls at manas labashain steve smith calls him barasi i was like whoa that's a that's that's a niche that's niche well, i wouldn't call it niche as much as a very big call <laughs> to compare anyone uh, to the great ron brassi uh brat that's the final word hall of fame for westfield london westfield stratford city more extra less ordinary we'll be talking a lot more about them through the course of the test match we should end it here though this has been our preview episode of the final word daily if you like what we do patreon.com forward slash the final word our live show with Stephen finn the night before oh, the yeah. oval test match we'll record a preview at the oval then we'll be down to the phoenix in soho with finney he's a great guest Tickets have almost sold out, I'm told, by the venue. So get in quick. Uh, the link's in the show notes. Buy a ticket. Buy your mate a ticket. If you're a patron, get one for half price. All right. Goodbye till tomorrow. Cannot wait. Ta-da. Sorry if I ran into empty. Wrote this so you know what I meant. I had to go about it